I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coppola was so broke, he had to make a hit. So his idea was to make like a teen idol movie. And he hired a woman, her name's Michelle Manning, to go to 7-Eleven and pick out all the teen magazines. Who's ever had the most pictures in the magazines went up on a board, a casting board. I'm only in those teen magazines because of my failed sitcom. And if I'm not in that, I'm not on the board. And if I'm not on the board, I don't know if Coppola auditions me. It all is interconnected in ways we never know. Joining me here on Just Getting Started is a man I'm pleased to call a friend. Known him for many a moon, long before he was a star of 911 Lone Star, which is coming up on season three on Fox in the fall, and a show that we watch as a family here in the Eisen household, Mental Samurai, with all new episodes Tuesdays at 9, 8 central, only on Fox, the host of the Literally with Rob Lowe podcast as well. Rob Lowe, how are you, Rob? I'm really good. I'm excited to see this new podcast that you're doing. It's You're a man of yeah, I, so many talents, and I love it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You normally come on my, my daily show, um, radio and TV, but I figured I'd love to have you on here, too, because I, I, I wanted to start a podcast that was a little bit different than what I do, as well as give people a little bit of... Uh, guidance if they need it on just getting started with their lives if it's been paused or changed in any way or they want some sort of um, portable piece of advice from anybody because everybody's got an origin story like you Roblo. every you have an origin story right well and we're all the whole world is restarting so it's the perfect time to do it right exactly right so how did you just get started rob how did that start for you well i was really really really, I think, lucky. There's a curse to it, which I'll get to. Yes. But lucky, blessed that I knew very, very young what I wanted to do. Like I knew in my DNA that I wanted to be an actor. By the time I was eight, I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone to see a neighborhood local theater company with my parents. And there were kids in the play. The play was Oliver. And the kids were playing whatever the lost boys, whatever the hell they kids are in Oliver. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure my parents were just like, sure. Just like, I want to play a little league or I'd like to go on a canoe trip or I'd like to, but I'm sure they thought it was like a passing fancy, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and, and literally podcast title, literally um, everything I did in my life from that moment on was directed at that. Um, a total soul focus. And how did you get your first big break then? How did that come about, Rob? For those who might not have read your your book like I did, which is must read, because uh, I'll say this, as I mentioned before about your your first, I should say, book, it's clear nobody else wrote it. It's clear that you sat down and wrote it. It literally is in your voice to use that phrase literally as well. So for those who might not already know the story, go for it if you don't mind. Thank you. And I, and I do You're welcome. I'm very proud of the books and I always love when people, you know, cause it, if, if you have any interest in me at all, 
the, the books are, are really fun because it is it's the most pure essence of, of me. Anyway, I did local theater. I did camp theater. Any type of theater you could do, I did. And my notion was when I grew up, I would go to New York and hit the bricks in New York like because I was doing I was playing every little kid part in every university play, University of Wright State University, University of Dayton. I was living in Dayton, Ohio. The Kenley Players were that were around then, were, which was like a summer stock professional. So I was like the kid you went to, and I and, and everybody there was going to New York, and they were theater actors. Well, my parents got divorced, which I was not happy about. That was not a a good moment for my family. But uh, what it brought was my mom relocating to Los Angeles. So the lesson for me um, is, you know, there really is, you know, there, there's a plan for everything. And I, I hated coming to LA. I hated it. I missed my friends. I missed Ohio. No kidding. I'm the only idiot that would rather have been in Dayton, Ohio than Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> But the fact that I was able to, that I was in LA, you know, I started hitting the bricks and taking the bus from Point Doom. I would, I would uh, do my homework on the bus after school and go all the way into Hollywood, three different bus lines and do an audition and come back, get home for dinner and go to bed and repeat as many times as, as I needed it. And I was just, you know, I, I mean, I was blessed with the drive. That's for sure. And ignorance. Yes. Ignorance. And why is ignorance such an important part, Rob? Because you didn't know any better that you should stop trying or something That's like right. that? Or is that That's right. pretty much it? I Here's a stat that every time I tell it, I think it's bullshit. And then <laughs> I like re-look it up and go, no, it's, it's real. And that is, we have a thing, as you know, you're probably a member of the, you're a member of the Screen Actors Guild, I'm assuming. Yes, sir, I am. All right. How else could I... Star in two episodes of CSI Miami that nets me on average 80 cents a check, Rob, every single time I open that envelope. I know. Isn't it exciting to see those 80 cent checks? Hold on. I've got, hold on. I literally have, literally, here we go. I've got one here. I just opened this one up. It's 14 bucks, man. $14. Congratulations. The kids are going to love that dinner based off of that right there. So. I guess I understand what I don't even know the statistic you're about to tell me, but I can I can believe every last word of it. Well, you know, it's That's not going to sure. be a good one. So That's right. the Screen Actors Guild, which to even get in the Screen Actors Guild, you have to be a working actor of the members of the Screen Actors Guild. Do you know what percentage, Rich, fully support themselves at acting? <sighs> Is it akin to a milk bottle of that percentage? Is it something close to that, Rob? So I'll put it to you this way. 97% of the Screen Actors Guild do not make enough money as an actor to support themselves. 97%. Mm. Now, if somebody had told me those numbers when I was an eight-year-old right. wanting to get into acting, uh, I, I, I mean, our, you know... When I was when I decided not to go to college and do my first movie role, if my parents had sat me down and said, look, we'll support you not going to college your freshman year, but you need to know you got to start paying for shit. And 97 percent of the Screen Actors Guild can't do that. 
and support themselves, I don't know what I would have done. So ignorance was great for me. Yeah, like you're those those athletes that, you know, uh, don't know what they don't know, but that's how maybe you can be successful is that you don't know what you don't know and you just follow your gut and you follow your dream and keep the blinders on and obviously you can get an opportunity. Well, and the other part of it, because then the shoe was on the other foot with my own kids, right? So fast forward 25 years, whatever, how many years later it is. And, right. And my kids are like telling me what they want to do with their lives. One of them was a very talented musician. And I was like, that's the worst business on the planet. <laughs> That makes acting look like uh, investment banking. And I had the talk with them. I did. I, I had the talk with them that my parents didn't with me. I was like, right. listen, you just need to know this is what you're facing and you're going into a, a business that's tough and that is going through such fight. It's always been tough in the heyday and it's not the heyday anymore. The other part of it, though, is the why not me? It's got to be somebody. Why not me? You know, I mean, there has right. to be that small percentage that makes it. Why not me? So it cuts both ways, whatever mantra you want to use. But uh, I've thought of them both, believe me. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So who are you taking the bus with? Anyone we know? Anybody that's uh, no, in not, your None of those other goofs ever wanted to be actors. I, I started okay. that damn trend. Okay. They all slipstreamed the kid from Ohio. I rode up on Malibu and Charlie Sheen was throwing, you know, 80 mile an hour fastballs in the backyard. You know, literally he threw, he could throw 80 miles an hour in, uh, in high school. Really? Oh yeah. Like, so the wild thing is real? Yo, is yeah. He was going to be a baseball player. He's going to be a pro baseball player for sure. And going to travel teams, all that stuff. He wanted to be a baseball player. Sean Penn hadn't done any acting yet, really. And, or Chris, his brother, Chris and Emilio, I think kind of wanted to act, but I arrived there wanting to do it. And then, you know, I mean, they came on their own and figured it out, but, um, I was alone on that bus. I had no, I had no, no friends on that. It was a lonely, lonely, lonely back of the bus. Damn. So you're saying like in your spare time, you go over to the Sheen's house, you knock on the door and Martin opens the door and you're like, is Charlie here? Or is it, is that basically what your, your childhood was like? Something like that? Totally. Absolutely. Although Martin was never there because he was away doing this movie called Apocalypse Now. (laughs) And it was, I remember just knowing, growing up with that, that title in my head because my friend's dad was never home. (laughs) I lived in, I lived next door to them for two years before I ever saw him. 
Are you serious? Because he was in the shit with Marlon Brando? Is that basically it? That's why you never saw him? Yeah. Because you live next door? Apocalypse Now. Damn, man. Legend. They don't make movies like that anymore. I can tell you that. No. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, man. So, um, okay. So that's your, that's your, your, and your first big break was what? What was the the one movie that was your, well, I, your I first big had break? Th- I kind of had three big breaks. Okay. Well, the first one is the very first paying job you get. And the very first paying job I got professionally was I was in the first commercial that was ever made specifically for the Super Bowl. Um, get out of here. Yeah. I never knew that. Yep. Which, it, what was that? It's for Coke, for Coca-Cola. Okay. And it was really ahead of its time. It probably, okay, I'm trying to think of what year it would have been. It would have been 1977. And it was what they call a oneer. So it's all one shot. They built a four story New York tenement on a soundstage in Culver City and at a big crane. And at the beginning of the commercial, I came out with a bunch of kids on the stoop playing handball. And I heard singing from up on the roof and I pointed to the top of the roof and that motivated the camera, Rich, don't you see? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And the camera then went up the building and looked in every window as people were enjoying their Coca-Colas, slices of life, just Americans, just doing what they do, drinking Coke. And then the camera got to the top of the building and there was a guy playing his guitar singing the Coca-Cola song with the beautiful New York City skyline. It was very lyrical, and I think it aired twice. Which Super Bowl was it? Do you remember sitting around watching the Super Bowl, and here comes your commercial on the air? I I remember seeing it on the air once. It must have been the Super Bowl. um, Okay. But it – and I used to watch and watch. So, 77, who would that have been? Was that the Orange Crush? It sounds like a Cowboys-Steelers matchup to me. Rob, like if I had to guess, yeah, doesn't that it? reeks of Bradshaw, Staubach, yes, Rob Lowe, Coca Cola triumvirate that I, I didn't know actually existed, yeah, until just now. So that was my pod. first, and, and then I I would go to my mailbox and get those residuals, like you just opened up, and be so excited. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then I I did uh, oh, then my next big break was I got a Carl's Junior commercial. Uh-huh. Oh, this is the difference between coming to LA and going to New York. Had I gone to New York, as I thought in Ohio, I would have been like in death of a salesman sure. or, yeah, sure. you know, I'd have done Pinter, but instead I go to LA and I'm working with Regis Philbin on a Carl's Jr. commercial. That's, that's the Regis. difference in the cultures. <laughs> Regis was in that commercial. Come on, Rob. Are you serious? Yeah. Me and Reg, man. Regis was at that point the biggest star on I think KABC. I don't know if he he was you know like the local whatever the hell like he was the guy, right? But he was regional. Yeah, he was he was totally a regional star. We did a Carl's Jr. commercial together, <laughs> and and then I went unemployed for like a hundred years after that. And uh, my next big break, and this is in, so I, I fell in love for the first time ever. I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. You know, that puppy love where you just can't see straight. You're truly love sick, like sick yeah. in love. And it was just as I had to go to Ohio in the summer to see my dad. And I didn't want to go to back to Ohio because I just fallen in love with this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful blonde surfer girl. I get to Ohio. I'm despondent. And my agent calls me. And my agent was like a shitty little rinky dink, like 
waiting for Guffman type agent <laughs> and calls me and is like, so there's a TV show that we think you'd be right for if you want to audition. I use that as an excuse to pay for my own flight, to fly back to LA mm. to audition for, just to be with the girlfriend. Again, never knowing, it's just an audition. Mm. It's just, a, they don't know who I am. They don't know, I get it. I get the TV show. And I only got it because I came back because I wanted to be with my girlfriend. And that was my first big, it was called A New Kind of Family. It was on ABC. It was directly opposite 60 Minutes, which meant we were <laughs> truly dead last. I'm not, truly. There were 62 shows in existence. That's all. There were three networks in those days. That was it. 62 shows on the schedule. We were 62nd every week. Dead last. Crushed. Curb stomped by Morley Safer. Yep. But you at least came back and you were with the girl that you wanted to hang with. And that was, and those three things together has helped what launched your career. Well, and then to this very day. So then that shows a disaster, right? A total, total <laughs> unmitigated disaster. In spite of the fact that it was produced by Michael Eisner's wife and, and Larry Gordon's wife, who are both right. titans of the industry. It was about two families sharing the same house. They shut us down. The ratings were so bad. They fired the other family and decided to make the new family black, figuring that was the problem. And so now, without explaining where the other family went, right. and Janet Jackson was now the new little girl on the show. Yes. And I remember talking to Janet, and she was like, this acting thing sucks. She's like, she's like, I think if this doesn't work, I'm just going to be a straight singer. <laughs> so Janet and I did that show together. Then I didn't work again for like three or four years. And I figured my career was over. I had a moment. I was a child actor and didn't make it. And I was mm -hmm. studying to be, be a marine biologist because I love the ocean and I love that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm kind of a nerd that way. So my thought was I'll either be a lawyer or a marine biologist. And I was auditioning and not getting anything and ready to quit and um, got accepted at USC and was ready to go there. And I got the outsiders oh my. the day I had to choose my classes for USC. And I no way I did the uh, I did the movie instead, and that was that. The rest is history. So the Outsiders comes knocking on your door as you are choosing your curriculum to tap out of acting. Yeah, I'm like it's, I'm going to study um, invertebrates in the intertidal zone <laughs> from first period. <laughs> That is, do you ever sit around? I mean, outside of a podcast where questions are asked of you like this, Rob, and ever sit back and go, holy shit, like how tenuous is this? I mean, like everything that you're you're looking around and seeing from your current projects to some of the most iconic pop culture touchstone movies that people identify with, not just themselves personally, but their time and their lives and what they were doing and things of that nature, that this all could have been not happening? Does that ever hit you at all? I could be out on a dredge on the Marianas Trench right now looking 
looking for geodes or whatever, instead of doing this podcast with you. And But, you know, it, but we all know life changes in a blink of an eye, you know, no matter who right. we are. And it's, it's the same for me. And, and, and it's a function of who you meet, what you say, luck, preparation, drive, ambition, ignorance, knowledge. All those things go into a stew. And you know, it get it gets mixed up by the man upstairs. And if, if it's a good mix, you're 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 gonna be good to go. But it's like the question is how much of it do we really control? And you know, we can only control what's right in front of us. It, and I mean right in front of us. So right. you know, the day in Ohio when I got the phone call from my agent, I, my control of it was I'm going back to California to see my girlfriend and oh, by the way, I auditioned for this. TV show. By the way, that's the only way I got The Outsiders. I learned later that Coppola was so broke, talking about Apocalypse Now, after Apocalypse and this movie, One from the Heart, which was a huge bomb, and he'd bought a studio, went belly up, they had to make a hit. So his idea was to make like a teen idol movie. And The Outsiders was going to be that. And he hired um, a woman, her name's Michelle Manning. She's an executive to this day, a friend of mine to go to 7-Eleven and pick out all the teen magazines and who's ever had the most pictures in the magazines went up on a board, a casting board. And that's how he started the casting process. I'm only in those teen magazines because of my failed sitcom. And if I'm not in that, I'm not on the board. And if I'm not on the board, I don't know if Coppola auditions me. So Mm -hmm. it all, you know, it all is interconnected in ways we never know. And the cast in that film as well, I mean, is uh, a tremendous cast and people who um, you, you know, are associated with, you know, whether it's pop culture or in other ways to this day, Rob. I mean, when you look at the cast of The Outsiders, period, end of story. There was a, a man by the name of Fred Roos, who is, was and is Francis Coppola's producing partner. But really what Fred does is cast. The first Mm -hmm. movie that Fred cast was American Graffiti. The second movie he cast was The Godfather. He also cast Apocalypse Now, and then he cast The Outsiders. So if you do the, I know you're a a cinephile. You talk about, it's Harrison Ford in American Graffiti. You know, it's Duvall, it's all these people. And he, so he found us. Fred Roos found all of us. It's a hell of a cast. Cruz and everybody and the whole That is truly unbelievable. Rob Lowe here on Just Getting Started. Let's talk about the here and now. Mental Samurai is, Rob, on in this house. I love it. It is. No, seriously, because you can't, in this day and age, there's, there's not a lot that families can just, you know, my kids are 12, 10, and 7. Mm-hmm. That they, we all can agree, like, let's just sit down, let's watch this. And I also know I'm not going to get assaulted, yeah. you know, with the kids too. And, you know, they, they, they can get some of the first answers right too, you know. And then, and then, you know, question seven or eight, we go off the deep end with everybody right. else, yeah. you know. And it's, it's quite something. Um, did, were you always like a reality show or game show guy or like to forget an opportunity for something like this? So I mean, when I was doing the failed 
Janet Jackson sitcom to help promote it. <laughs> they It's all connected. I love it. This, this is all connected. You, it's all connected. connected. <laughs> they sent me to my very first time in New York on my own to play a celebrity version with Dick Clark of the $10,000 pyramid. By the way, how funny is $10,000 pyramid? That was like <laughs> you can't buy a car for that. Hell of a pyramid. Hell of a hell pyramid. pyramid. But I crushed. I mean, in all modesty, it, like Ty Cobb yeah. said, it ain't bragging if you'd done it. Damn straight. I crushed. Who who were you who were you paired with? Do you remember? Well, who was the other giver of clues and I, stuff like that? I was Robert? it was I was up against Tony Danza. <laughs> Again, somebody who you probably have Known forever in a day. You probably run into him at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Rob, I love I mean, Tony. And, I, and he's still licking his wounds from the shellacking he got. Um, so um, that, so we did. Ten, so I liked I like um, trivia, trivia games. I'm mm-hmm. terrible with puzzle. By the way, this is why I would be terrible on Mental Samurai because I'd be great right. at one of the four towers. Trivia, right, history, sure. memory. But if I, when I got to the puzzle tower... I would be done, literally done. I can't do Sudoku. I can't do any of, I can't do Tetris. Right. I can't do any of it. My mind doesn't work that way. And what mm-hmm. I love about Mental Samurai is you have to, you have to have every facet of knowledge yeah. to yeah. win. You could see how you're enjoying it. Like this has got to be a total blast. Part of me was also born to give away cash and prizes, Rob. That's why I think I'm on this planet, you know? So there's nothing like that. Making people happy is awesome. And watching people win, making people happy, being a cheerleader, because that's the fun of it is to cheerlead the people and to, to sit there and die inside when for $10,000, it's name this iconic nineties sitcom. And then there's an anagram Mm -hmm. that clearly says friends. It's an anagram. It's friends. It's 90s iconic sitcom. And for three minutes, they stare at it and don't know it. And finally, I say, you've got to make, you got to at least take a guess. And he goes, I'm going to go with Durfins. <laughs> I wanted to have shirts made in that classic friends font that says yeah. Durfins. Yeah. <laughs> could you, and did you say, could you be any more wrong? <laughs> My other favorite one was uh, this 1980s duo dominated the pop charts. And it was a picture of a hallway yes. and a bowl of oats. And the guy was like, okay, so a hall and oats. See the hallway, floor and you're like, bowl, there it is. floor bowl, hall, oat, oh. oat floor, hall, cereal, hall and oats, baby. Mm. So fun. I love the show. The show is funny, funny, fun, fun. It is out of body for a lot of people to do something like that, that they can't believe they're on the set or something along. I mean, you just did Celebrity Family Feud. I imagine even just for a split second, there's Steve Harvey, there's the board, you know, and you're at home and you can nail this stuff if you're at home. But once you're in the crucible of actually being there, I imagine even for you, who's been there and done pretty much everything, that's still a little bit. I couldn't hit the buzzer. Weird. I didn't hit the buzzer once. Not once did I hit the buzzer. It was not easy. I mean, listen, oh they they said, you know, name a 
Name a plant you don't want to touch. You want to go with popular answers. It's the whole point of the show. Plant you don't want to touch. I go with Venus flytrap. The hell's going on with me? So cactus has got to be number one, right? Number one and poison oak, poison ivy. Number tied for number two. Mm. Well, we have some nice parting gifts for you, Rob. You know, (laughs) you and your family. (laughs) That's right. Fantastic. How are you enjoying podcasting? With literally with Rob Lowe, a highly popular pod that's on the uh, the Conan O'Brien label. Yeah, it's mistaken, on. Uh, right? It's so. a it's a Team Coco Stitcher. But anywhere you get your podcasts, how are you enjoying that? I'm loving it, loving it. I I thought I would like it. I didn't know I would love it. And what I'm loving about it is just like what we're doing now. The you know the long form discussion right is just the best. You know usually. Other than podcasts, people are on talk shows and talk shows today are about games and, you know, promoting your movie. And you never really get into the weeds with anybody on anything. And on podcasts, you have to. And and I just like taking the conversations wherever wherever they're going to go and getting people to talk about stuff that they have never talked about before, because I'm not asking them the questions that everybody else has asked. I mean, I literally had Oprah on two weeks ago. And, you know, she's Oprah for, I was halfway through the conversation. I was like, this is why she's fucking Oprah Winfrey. Cause she's, what, what she caused just, you to say that? She's just like, what, what, she just, what was the part of the conversation? Knows how to talk. Knows how to engage. Knows how to right. bring it. Do you know what I mean? There's a reason she's Oprah Winfrey. And halfway right. through that conversation, I'm like overwhelmed with it. But, I didn't ask her about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, maybe I should be fired for that. There's a world in which they go, I'm sorry, you had Oprah Winfrey on and you didn't ask her about interviewing Prince Harry or Meghan Markle? And I'm like, you don't need me to do that. A stringer from E-Channel can do that. Right. So I kind of pride myself on, you know, the unexpected and and it's really fun, and so far people really like it. Who would you want on your pod that you have yet to have on, um, Rob? I, 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 Lauren Michaels. I just haven't asked him. I'm scared to ask. It's like to call in favors for. It's funny the people that you're comfortable calling in the favors on, right. and then there's the people that you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. And I just simply haven't asked Lauren yet, and I, but I will because he's he comes up mm-hmm. in almost every podcast. Because I have a lot of SNL people on and I love SNL and I have a lot of comedians on who maybe weren't even on SNL, but inevitably that topic comes up. And so he's kind of like the, the, you know, the great white whale of the show. Um, well, I'm just sitting here, Rob. I'm just sitting here thinking, first of all, you were in Wayne's World, if I'm not mistaken, has to be the highest grossing film that any of his characters has ever that's uh, right. endeavored. Yep. That's number one. Number two... Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's owned the Conan O'Brien spot for years on NBC before I know. all of that occurred. He must have a piece of your podcast, like literally in on literally, he would be literally making money by boosting your downloads that, I mean, I could, I could write the pitch for you, Rob, if you, you know, if you want. Maybe I'm just, right? sca- yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm scared to ask dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other would be Springsteen, and I've been trying to get that going. 
Um, I know mm-hmm. you're a big Bruce fan as, as am I. And hey, what you got? What are you going to pull over there? I see you going for something. Right. Darkness this on the Edge of Town. This is from my wife, who's a diehard Springsteen fan. She was working out on the Upper West Side about 20 some odd years ago. And he was working out there. She ran home and got her mm. uh, her album cover of um, Born to Run. Born to Run right here. And, uh, and he signed it. I mean, that's it. That's the man. He would be. So I'm with you. He would be great. And if I can't get either one of them, eventually what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a podcast where I play both of them and cut it together <laughs> and nobody will know. And here's how it would go. You ready? Yes. Um, Lorne, tell me about the first time you met Dan Aykroyd. You know, Rob, the thing about Danny is he's much taller in real life than you think he is. And then I'll be like, hey, Bruce, so tell me, what was your relationship like with Clarence Clemens? <laughs> Clarence, <laughs> the big man, <laughs> he's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> I think we could do that. Bravo. Bravo. So Lorne Michaels really does sound like Dr. Evil then. It's basically what you're saying. He really 100%. does. Like that really was. I don't think anybody pretends otherwise now, including Lorne himself. Okay. So m- m- hold on a second. Maybe I'm wrong. Austin Powers might be his greatest. For sure. Grossing. Uh, um, But I don't think. But that wasn't an SNL That's not an SNL. That's, that's uh, that was all Mr. Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've been in it. I mean, Rob. Which I may or may not be. I may or may not be doing a surprise appearance in his new Netflix show that was announced today. Okay, Rob Lowe. That's a great little piece of a breadcrumb. That'll be for the next time you're on promoting anything here on this show. So before uh, I let you go, if you could revisit one of your characters to see what he is up to today, any of them, in the history of your filmography, televisionography, if that's even a word, who would that character be to revisit who that person is and what they are doing in 2021? Who would that be, Rob? How about that one? There are a lot of characters that are in second place, Mm -hmm. but there's only one in first place. Okay. And that's, I don't know if you were aware that from time to time I would come in and have a lot of fun with my buddy David Duchovny on his show, Californication. (laughs) Yeah. And I played a character named Eddie Nero. Okay. And Eddie Nero was a polysexual, um, drug-addled, Academy Award-winning, pretentious movie star. It was the most, by far the most insane character I've ever had the opportunity to play. And I can only, the mind boggles at what Eddie Nero would be doing today. He'd okay. Be my guy. So it's your California. I, I would have. I would not have guessed that one. I mean, um, uh, what about about last night? What do you think? The, listen, there's certainly Danny from About Last Night and Billy from Saint Elmo's Fire, but I kind of know what they'd be doing. That's the thing. Is what I are they doing? Know what are, are they dads? Be. Are they dads now, or what? Are, or what? Are, Danny's for sure a dad. I think Danny and Debbie got together again, and or they, you know, that long bike ride in Grant Park. They hooked up and have got kids and are happy as young clams. I think I think Billy Hicks and St. Elmo's Fire went to New York and got his big break playing the saxophone just as that moment in the 80s when saxophones became banned from all songs. Like every song had a sax solo, every single one, literally every yes. one in the 80s mm-hmm. until one day 
Someone said, basta, no more no. sax solos. So my Billy Hicks probably is a strung out drug addict because the minute he got successful with his saxophone, it was over. Mm. So not so good for ba Billy, but Danny's great. He's Danny's good. Great. Got kids. And, and Sam Seaborn of the West Wing, you yes. know, went on to work for Barack Obama and is now, you know, uh, up at Davos with him. He's a pundit somewhere, don't you think? He's a pundit. He's on, he's got his own show, Sam Seaborn, don't you think? He's yeah, his, he's got his own hour long on some sort of cabler right now. That's he's a good doing point. that. He's Probably. got a pod. He's yeah. got a pod. Oh, he's got a know. pod. Hell yeah, he's got it. Sam Seaborn's got a pod. Chris Cuomo's looking over his back, Sam Seaborn. One hundred percent. I think that's what he's doing now. Yeah. Hey man, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And I know that uh you were you were killing it. Um I assume you were you were shooting your latest season of what's coming up this fall on Fox of nine one one Lone Star. You just that's in Nine, the can, yes, as they say, in the business. Nine one one Lone Star. Um, uh, we've wrapped our second season, um, and uh, we start season three at the end of the summer, and we'll be back on the air in January, coming out of football. I love when they put us after football, as you know. So you'll go right from football to our our third season in in January. In the meantime, it's uh, it's all about mental samurai. Mental Samurai, which is uh, new episodes Tuesdays at 9, 8 central, only on Fox this fall, 911 Lone Star, literally with Rob Lowe podcast, which is uh, where all podcasts can be acquired. Um, you're the man. You're the best. So fun. Thanks, man. This is I love this. This is a really cool idea for a pod. I'm going to do some listening. Anytime, man. I appreciate uh, you doing this, and I'll have you back on my show anytime. And um, you know, if you want me to muscle out bruce or or lorne you know i'll i can i can be literal as well whenever you need if that's ever the time rob i just invited myself on your podcast but that's what people do that's in what Los you Angeles. do come on you baby know. let's do it anytime i'd love it that's rob Lowe right here on just getting started Yay! man i love rob Lowe. i've had him on several times on the rich eisen show which by the way you can get in the podcast version every single day all three hours Every single day, you can get it right here on the Cumulus Podcast Network or wherever podcasts are acquired. He's just such an incredible storyteller. Of course, he loves stuff like game shows and talking on a podcast that he has. He's a storyteller. His book is, his first book, his memoir, is truly remarkable. The guy has met everyone. That's why I just love it. He's in a, a TV commercial with Regis Philbin. He got to meet Tom Cruise in his first film, The Outsiders, and Patrick Swayze, and he lived next door to Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. I mean, my God, his 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 story is amazing. I, I did not know about him going back home to Dayton. I knew he was from Dayton, Ohio, but I did not know about that moment where he went back home to Dayton and he was miserable, wanted to go back to Los Angeles. He used the this um, tryout as an excuse because he wanted to go home and be with his new girlfriend. And he makes the cast of this show that eventually put him in a teen magazine that got him on the board for The Outsiders, which he got the day he was ready to just try something new and go to USC as a marine biologist. I, I mean, look, we, we all have something that we want to figure out in life and wonder if our dreams can come true. And, you know, you do need luck. He did, in fact, get this call for the Outsiders just as he was getting set to become a marine biologist. Yeah. But there's also, as he said, not paying attention to the odds. He said he was ignorant of the odds. But now that he's aware of the odds, 
in retrospect, the odds that you could go to Hollywood and go to Los Angeles, get wind up in Malibu, live next door to the Sheen family, and then get your own opportunity by riding the bus and humping it and giving up a little bit of your normal childhood to go chase a dream. We all can take something from that, I think. You know, I know I try to give something portable to everybody on every single episode of Just Getting Started. And maybe it's just, hey, don't pay attention to the odds. The odds might be against you, but why not me, is what he said. Why not you? So, you know, as this economy and this world is opening up and we're all getting back to hopefully a normal life, why not you? Why not take a chance? Why not go for something that you want to achieve? Why not you is a great, I think, line and question to take out of this. And best of luck between now and the next time. We took a couple weeks off, but we're back. Next week, Kelsey Grammer, who got his start on Cheers and more. It'll be a great conversation with the man who brought Fraser Crane to you, and it looks like he's going to bring Fraser Crane back to you as well. Can't wait to chat with him on the next episode of Just Getting Started. See you then.